This is Shakespeare Closely Read. I'm your host, Mark Naftal. In this podcast, I read the works of William Shakespeare and other authors in the public domain. In addition to reading these works in their entirety, I'll stop frequently to comment on the text, its meaning, and lessons to be drawn. This is a place for lovers of Shakespeare's words, words, words. I delight in the beauty of his language and believe through this beauty we can find truth and how to live a virtuous life. I hope this podcast can help students understand Shakespeare better and how to appreciate his sometimes difficult language. Maybe you can use it to help you write papers or study for tests. Drop me an email at shakespeareclosely at gmail.com if you have questions, comments, alternative interpretations, or would like some help. Let us begin. We are now uh, ready to almost wrap up, I believe, uh, Coriolanus. Uh, last time we completed Act 5, Scene 3, uh, where Coriolanus appears to uh, give in to the entreaties of his mother, his wife, and uh, I suppose they're representatives of the the women of, of Rome in, in general. And Aphidius uh, apparently wants to use that for Coriolanus's downfall, though he seems to be holding out vain hopes uh, for peace, which would reconcile everyone. Uh, but let's let's continue on now. Scene four, enter Meninius and Sicinius. Meninius, see yon coin over the or the capital, yon cornerstone. Okay, the coin there is spelled C-O-I-G-N. Um, and I have to assume that the G is silent, though I will confess I have not looked it up. Uh, it must uh, be a type of stone or something here. They say cornerstone. And I'm wondering if it's uh, um, somehow related to uh, coin and coinage. So maybe like the, uh, uh, the center, the most important part are standing for uh, the state. And here it's the, the cornerstone of, uh, of the capital. Sicinius. Why? What of that, Meninius? If it be possible for you to displace it with your little finger, there is some hope the ladies of Rome, especially his mother, may prevail with him. But I say there is no hope in it. Our throats are sentenced and stay upon execution. So Meninius has uh, has given up. Uh, the image there is if someone's little finger could be the cornerstone of a massive building. Of course, I suppose that's a, a, an anachronism at this point in, uh, in Roman history. It's doubtful that the capital was any, any right size, probably wasn't even stone. At any rate, our throats are sentenced. That is, their throats are going to be cut and stay upon execution. That is, uh, the execution has been stayed, but they're just waiting uh, for the Volscians led by Coriolanus to uh, kill them all. Sicinius. Is it possible that so short a time can alter the condition of a man? Meninius, there is difference between a grub and a butterfly, yet your butterfly was a grub. This Martius has grown from man to dragon. He has wings. He's more than a creeping thing. Sicinius, he loved his mother dearly. Meninius, so did he me, and he no more remembers his mother now than an eight-year-old horse. Okay, so... Uh, He's saying that um, Coriolanus has become uh, an eight-year-old horse remembering its mother. In other words, has no remembrance of it at all. Back to the text, Ilmeninius. The tartness of his face sours ripe grapes. When he walks, he moves like an engine, and the ground shrinks before his treading. He is able to pierce a corslet with his eye, talks like a knell. That's the knell of a bell. And his hum is a battery. 
Okay. Um, that's battery as in as in guns. Now many of these images, of course, <laughs> completely unknown to ancient Romans, but there it is. Now back to the text, Delmaninius. He sits in his state as a thing made for Alexander. And uh, again, uh, not appropriate since Alexander, Alexander the Great, had not yet been born when, when this is happening supposedly, but there you go. What he bids be done is finished with his bidding. He wants nothing of a god but eternity and a heaven to throne in. Sicinius, yes, mercy, if you report him truly. Okay, so Sicinius saying, no, they need mercy. Menenius, I paint him in the character. Mark what mercy his mother shall bring from him. There is no more mercy in him than there is milk in a male tiger. There shall our pretty poor city find. And all this is long of you, Sicinius. The gods be good unto us, Menenius. No, in such a case, the gods will not be good unto us. When we banished him, we respected not them. And he is returning to break our necks. They respect us. They respect not us. Enter a messenger, messenger to Sicinius. Sir, if you save your life, fly to your house. The plebeians have got your fellow tribune and hail him up and down and swearing. If the Roman ladies bring not comfort home, they'll give him death by inches. Okay, so they're going to, I guess, torture him to death. And we see, once again, the fickleness of the mob um, that, I guess, is Brutus here. They're going to they're gonna kill him if, um, if um, the Coriolanus doesn't relent. Of course, they were the ones who got Rome into that trouble. Enter another messenger, Sicinius. What's the news? Second messenger. Good news, good news. The ladies have prevailed. The Vulsions are dislodged and March is gone. A merrier day did never yet greet Rome. No, not the expulsion of the Tarquins. And that was their uh, kings. They were so glad to get rid of. Sicinius, friend, art thou certain this is true? It's most certain, second messenger. As certain as I know, the sun is fire. Where have you learnt that you may not doubt of it? Ne'er through an art so hurried the blown tide as the recom recomforted through the gates. Why hark you? Trumpets, hot boys, drums beat all together. The trumpets, sackbuts, psalteries, and fifes. Tabors and cymbals and the shouting Romans make the sun dance. Hark you, a shout within. Menenius, this is good news. I will go meet the ladies. This Volumnia is worthy of consuls, senators, patricians, a city full of tribunes such as you a sea and a land full. Okay, so uh, the tribunes aren't worth, worth as much as the consuls, senators, and patricians. Back to the text, still Menenius. You have prayed well today, this morning for 10,000 of your throats, so I'd not have given a dwat. Hark, how they joy. Sound still with the shouts. Sicinius to second messenger. First, the gods bless you for your tidings. Next, accept my thankfulness. Second messenger. Sir, we, ought, we have all great cause to give great thanks. Sicinius, they are near the city. Second messenger. Almost at point to enter. Sicinius, we'll meet them and help the joy. They exit. Okay, that's the end of scene four. Let's move to scene five. Enter two senators with ladies, Volumnia, Virgilia, Valeria, passing over the stage with other wards. Senator, behold our patroness, the life of Rome. Call all your tribes together, praise the gods, and make triumphant fires, strew flowers before them. Unshout the noise that banished Martius, repel, repeal him with the welcome of his mother. Cry, welcome, ladies, welcome, all. Welcome, ladies, welcome. A flourish with drums and trumpets. They exit. 
It's a short scene. Scene six. Enter Tellus Aphidius with attendance. Aphidius, go tell the lords of the city I am here. Deliver them this paper. He gives them a paper. Having read it, bid them repair to the marketplace where I, even in theirs and in the commons ears, will vouch the truth of it. Him I accuse, the city ports by this hath entered and intends to appear before the people, hoping to purge himself with words. Dispatch. The attendants exit. Enter three or four conspirators of Aphidius' faction. Most welcome. That was Aphidius said that. First conspirator. How is it with our general? Aphidius. Even so is with a man by his own alms empoisoned and with his charity slain. Okay, so Aphidius is... Uh, uh, pretending maybe to be very upset that he he showed charity and mercy to Coriolanus to be betrayed by him. Of course, uh, uh, Coriolanus proved that he was a betrayer. Why should anybody be uh, surprised that he betrayed again? Second conspirator, most noble sir, if you do hold the same intent wherein you wished us parties, we'll deliver you of your great danger. Aphidius, sir, I cannot tell. We must proceed as we define the people. Okay, so Aphidius appears unlike Coriolanus to be uh, subservient to the will of the people. Third conspirator, the people remain uncertain whilst twixt you there's difference, but the fall of either makes the survivor heir of all. Aphidius, I know it. My pretext to strike at him admits a good construction. I raised him, and I pawned mine honor for his truth, but being so heightened, he watered his new plants with dews of flattery, seducing so, my friends, and to this end he bowed his nature, never known before, but to be rough, unswayable, and free. Third conspirator. Sir, his stoutness when he did stun for consul, which he lost by lack of stooping, Aphidius, that I would have spoke of. Being banished for it, he came into my hearth, presented to my, to my knife his throat. I took him, made him joint servant with me, gave him way in all his own desires. Nay, let him choose out of my files his projects to accomplish. My best and freshest men served his designments in mine own person, hoped to reap the fame which he did end of all, which he did end all his, and took some pride to myself this wrong, till at the last I seemed his follower, not partner, and he waged me with his countenance as if I had been mercenary. First conspirator. So he did, my lord. The army marveled at, marveled at it, and in the last, when he had carried Rome, and that we looked for no less spoil than glory, Aphidius, there was it for which my sinews shall be stretched upon him, and a few drops of women's room, that is uh, his mother's tears, which are as cheap as lies. He sold the blood and labor of our great action. Therefore shall he die, and I'll renew me in his fall. But hark! Drums and trumpets sounds with great shouts of the people. First conspirator, you, your native town you entered like a post and had no welcome home, but he returned splitting the air with noise. So apparently the, uh, the people uh, there are still um, welcoming uh, Coriolanus, second conspirator, and patient fools whose children he has slain their base throats tear with giving him glory, third conspirator. Therefore, at your vantage, ere he expresses himself, remove the people with what he would say. Let him feel your sword, which we will second. When he lies along, after your way, his tail pronounced shall bury his reasons with his body. Aphidius, say no more. The lords enter the city. Here come the lords, all lords. I guess that's their equivalent of the patricians or the senators. 
Uh, all lords, you must welcome home, Aphidius. I have not deserved it, but worthy lords, have you with heed pursued what I have written to you, all lords? We have, first lord, grieved to hear it. What false he made before the last, I think, must have found easy finds, for there to end where he was to begin and give away the benefit of our levies, answering us with our own charge, making a treaty where there was a yielding. This admits no excuse. Enter Coriolanus marching with drum and colors, the commoners being with him. Okay, so Coriolanus has now switched doubly, I suppose. He's gone over to the enemy, um, the Volscians, and he's identifying with the common people, which he never did at Rome. So see what his pride has led him to. Back to the text of Phidias. He approaches, you shall hear him, Coriolanus. Hail, lords, I am returned your soldier. No more infected with my country's love than when I parted hence, but still subsisting under your great command. Okay, he's not entailing the entire truth there, because uh, uh, if not love for country, his love for his 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 family, uh, uh, the women there of Rome. Sometimes this was said in the historic texts, uh, moved him to give it up. Back to the text, till uh, Coriolanus. You are to know that prosperously I have attempted and with bloody passage led your wars even to the gates of Rome. Our spoils we have brought home doth more than counterpoise a full third part the charges of the action. Okay, so they uh, they took enough booty to uh, pay for a third uh, of the expedition, I guess. Um, back to the text, still Coriolanus. We have made peace with no less honor to the Antionites than shame to the Romans, and here we deliver subscribed by the councils and patricians, together with the seal of the Senate, what we have compounded on. He offers the lords a paper. Fetus, read it not, noble lords, but tell the traitor in the highest degree he hath abused your powers. Coriolanus, traitor? How now? Fetus, I, traitor, Martius. Coriolanus, Martius? Fetus, I, Martius, Caius Martius. Do not think I'll grace thee with that robbery, thou stolen name. Coriolanus and Coriolanus, your lords and heads of the state, perfidiously he has betrayed your business and given up for certain drops of salt, that's the tears, your city, Rome, I say your city, to his wife and mother, breaking his oath and resolution like a twist of rotten silk, never admitting counsel or the war, but at his nurse's tears he whined and roared away your victory, that pages blushed at him and men of heart looked wondering at each other. Each at other, Coriolanus. Here's thou Mars. Okay, Coriolanus appears, uh, appeals to the god of war, Mars. Aphidius, name not the god, thou boy of tears. Coriolanus, huh. Aphidius, no more, Coriolanus. Measureless liar, thou hast made my heart too great for what contains it. Boy, oh slave, pardon me, lords, tis the first time that ever I was forced to scold. Your judgments, my grave lords, must give this cur the lie, and his own notion who wears my stripes impressed upon him, that must bear my beating to his grave, shall join to thrust the lie into him. Okay, so he's uh, he's saying, look, I beat you before in battle, I gave you stripes. First lord, peace both, and hear me speak, Coriolanus. Cut me to pieces, Vulcius, men and lads, stain all your edges on me. Boy, false hound. Okay, Coriolanus can't get over that he called him a boy. False hound, if you have richer annals true, tis there that like an eagle lion dovecote, I fluttered your Vulcians and Coriolanus. Alone I did it. Boy, Aphidius, 
Why, noble lords, will you be put in mind of his blind fortune, which was your shame by this unholy braggart for your own eyes and ears, all conspirators? Let him die for it, all people. Tear him to pieces. Do it presently. He killed my son, my daughter. He killed my cousin Marcus. He killed my father. Second Lord. Peace. Ho. No outrage. Peace. The man is noble, and his fame falls on the orb of the earth. His last offenses to us shall have judicious hearing. Stand, Aphidius, and trouble not the peace. Coriolanus drawing his sword. Oh, that I had him with six Aphidiuses or more his tribe to use my lawful sword. Insolent villain, Aphidius, insolent villain. All conspirators, kill, 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 kill him. Draw the conspirators and kills Marcius who falls. Aphidius stands on him. Lords, hold, 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 Aphidius. My noble masters, hear me speak, first lord. Oh, tell us, second lord, thou hast done a deed where valor will weep. Okay, they immediately uh, regret it, third lord. Tread not upon him, masters all, be quiet. Put up your swords. Okay, so it's, they're not, nobody's really consistent in this. You know, they, uh, they, and throughout the play, the, the, both the nobles and the common people switch violently from love and hate of Coriolanus. He seems to be uh, uh, quite the magnet to strong feelings of either sort. Uh, third Lord, tread not upon him. Masters, all be quiet. Put up your swords, Aphidius. My lords, you shall know as in this rage, provoked by him you cannot. The great danger which this man's life did owe you, you rejoice that he is thus cut off. Please, it, your honors, to call me to your senate. I'll deliver myself your loyal servant or endure your heaviest censure. First Lord, bear from hence his body and mourn you for him. Let him be regarded as the most noble corpse, its corpse that ever Harold did follow to his urn. Urn there, I guess it could have a double meaning of urn, like in funeral urn, which is how it's spelled, but also could be uh, uh, what he earned, E-A-R, N-E-D. Second Lord, his own impatience takes from Aphidius a great part of blame. Let's make the best of it. Aphidius, my rage is gone, and I am struck with sorrow. Gosh, what a hypocrite. Uh, he's just saying that, I guess. Back to the text, still Aphidius. Take him up. Help three of the cheapest soldiers. I'll be one. Beat thou the drum that it speak mournfully. Trail your steel pikes. Though in the city he hath widowed and unchilded many a one, which to this hour bewail the injury, yet he shall have a noble memory. Assist. They exit, bearing the bodily of Martius. A death march is sounded. And the end. The end seems to me uh, a bit like uh, the end of Hamlet, where they, um, in in that case, um, oh, who is it? The new king of Norway and king of Denmark uh, uh, says, oh, you know, take up uh, the body of Hamlet. He would have proved noble and give him all the honors and so forth. Uh, uh, at any rate, there it ends, Coriolanus. So uh, what to make of this play? It is... Uh, it's almost a caricature of pride, um, vanity, and over-emotions, the dangers of, of passions, if you will. Um, and if you, if you follow the, the noble flaw uh, theory of Shakespeare's tragedies, I suppose I'd have to say pride uh, was what uh, did Coriolanus in. Uh, not ambition, 
uh, like we might see next in, in Julius Caesar, um, but just pure, almost cartoonish uh, pride in himself, which he was so prideful, he could even humble himself before the Volscians to be able to get his revenge on um, on Rome for his injured pride. And even at the end, he um, he's about to be killed, uh, betrayed, if you will, by Aphidius. But the thing he can't get over is that uh, Aphidius called him a boy. Well, I think we're going to end reading the play here. But before we move on to the next uh, Roman history play, Julius Caesar, which uh, has a reputation, I think, deservedly so, of the the greatest of uh, of, C- of Caesar's of Shakespeare's uh, Roman plays, I want to look a little bit into the actual history of uh, Coriolanus and find out. Uh, how true uh, Shakespeare's de- depiction is, and what we can detect, if any, that, uh, that Shakespeare stole from the historians on that. So uh, until we pick up next time, adieu.